All right. Good morning. Got the microphone here. So thank you all for having me. Uh, thank you, Pastor Stephen, for allowing me to speak. Um, he said I didn't have to do that, but just I have to, right? For me, I have to. It's one of those things like, you know, saying thank you after dinner where you feel like your parents might pop you up, back, you know, on the backside of your head if you don't do it. So just part of my training. Thank him. Also, I thank Pastor Tyler because the relationship that the two of them have created um, really kind of brought me into the orbit of Madison Church and Pastor Stephen. So I really do want to appreciate that. And of course, um, for all the pastors who've helped me get here, just thank you for that. Um, so uh, Pastor Stephen did a great introduction, um, so I won't go over some of those details. What I will say this, um, we're going to start off with Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. So while you're turning to that on your phone or your Bibles or what have you, I'll tell you a little bit about me. One, I love Proverbs, right? The reason why I love Proverbs is because it gives me practical wisdom. I love when somebody say, here's how you do things. Um, I'm always talking about purpose or, you know, how to make things better or more efficient. Um, to my, my family doesn't always appreciate that because I talk about it all the time, right? <laughs> you know, we'll be at a store and I'm like, oh my gosh, they could really lay this out differently. Um, man, they really could change some of these processes to make this more efficient. Um, that's not always a good thing, right? Not always a good thing. So, but one of the, I love Proverbs because it gives me those things that I can do right away. I can apply it. It's not some lofty principle. It's very clear. So we're going to start off with Proverbs chapter 27, 14. But before I do that, I want to tell you a quick story. So when I was younger, um, I wanted to be helpful to my mother. Um, my, my parents worked hard. My mom did a lot of work cleaning around the house. And I decided, and I was maybe, let's say, four or five, I decided I was going to help her clean. And so you can always tell, you can already tell this is going to be a bad story, right? Some of you are cringing. I can see it. Um, so I decided I'm going to help her clean. So I go get a rag. I wet it. And I go get the Comet Cleanser. And I go to my mother's dresser, her solid wood with a nice polish on it, and I pour a little bit of the the Comet on there, and I begin to scrub and rub. And you can imagine what happened, right? I stripped off a good bit of that finish before my mother came in and said, what are you doing, right? What in the world are you doing? Oh, I'm helping you. I'm helping you clean. Uh, no, you're not. Right. So the thing is, as we read Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14 today, I want you to keep that in mind. Right. Because my intentions were great. Like I wanted to help. I I saw my mother working hard. and I said, you know what? Some of the things she does, you know, she cleans the same things all the time. I'll help her out by taking one of those those tasks off of her hands. And I decided to use the comet to do it. So anyway, Proverbs chapter 27, 14 says, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbors early in the morning, their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And this is where our title for the sermon comes in today. Early morning cursing. Right. Um, Early morning cursing. You know, so if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Now, this passage is very interesting to me because this is not talking about somebody who's a bad person. We're not talking about somebody who's a sinner or who, who's attempting to curse someone out. We're talking about somebody who's attempting to bless somebody, but it's being received as a curse. And so I got, got me curious, right? What, what do these words mean in, in, in the original language? And so I, I looked them up, and I'm probably going to butcher this Hebrew. So if you are a Hebrew scholar and know how to pronunciate these things, forgive me, please. Um, but blessing in the original language was uh, barak. Uh, means to salute or greet this this blessing in the morning. It's a something you say to somebody 
when you when you're you're rising and when you first greet them in the morning. A good morning would be something in, in our culture that would be uh, comparable to that, right? Um, it may not be a good morning for that person, but you're kind of hoping that you being friendly might do that, right? You're like, oh, good morning. No, no, good morning. It's it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Um, the curse, uh, Kilala, and I pretty much butchered that, but anyhow, that means the opposite of a blessing, right? This is something that is literally the opposite of a blessing. It's a curse. It's, hey, you having a good morning? No, you're not, right? I'm going to take your good morning. I'm going to smash it in the mud, throw it in the garbage, and kick it around a little bit. Um, and so what was interesting is that in this, this short proverb, we see three things. We see the intent, we see an action, and we see the impact, right? So we see the intent of the blesser. We see them taking action by giving the blessing out early in the morning. And we see the impact of that blessing, uh, right, of that action. And in this case, it was negative. And so a lot of times it's helpful for us to realize that intent doesn't equal impact. I'll say that again. Intent does not always equal impact. You can have a good heart. You can take right action. And in the wrong context, that thing will be received as the opposite of what you are hoping and intending. So when we think about this proverb, you know, who does the author of this proverb seem to be addressing? Right? Who's supposed to take action here? Who's supposed to learn something from this, this proverb? Do, do you think it's the early riser or the receiver of the blessing? Right? Let's read it again. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And you don't have to answer this. I just want you to think about it. But do you think this proverb was written so the person who received the blessing go, oh, gosh, I really should receive this as a blessing? It was a blessing. I mean, what they said was a blessing. I should really receive it that way. And I shouldn't be so upset about them waking me up first thing in the morning. Right? Do you think that was the intent of the author? Or do you think the intent was for the person who gets up early in the morning and is rising early and is giving blessings to people, do you think the intent of the author was to tell them, maybe you should rethink your timing? Right? So uh, Pastor Stephen said we just came back from vacation. It was amazing. Right. We had a bunch of family at one point, I think up to what, 15 people that were with us. Um, you know, uh, not all of them stayed the entire week, but we had a minimum of 10 people. Right. And in those in that group of 10 to 15 people, there were a lot of different approaches to morning. Right. <laughs> now, how many of you all are, are early morning you like to get up? You love early morning. Any any early morning risers here? one, and that's my wife. That's okay. That's all right. Not an early riser among you. Okay. So this is, this is serious. And you can feel, you can feel that cursing that happens in the early morning, right? So imagine it's, it's five o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock, right? Anybody get up after six? Like just, you know, so, okay. Yeah. No. Okay. After six, seven, eight, we got some eights, nine, People are like, please stop asking. Uh, <laughs> like, we don't, want, we don't want to confess. We don't want to confess that. So anyhow, so at 6.30 in the morning, if I'm singing praises, and trust me, you wouldn't want me on your worship team, right? I'm sure God receives my praises. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. But, right, you wouldn't want to put a microphone in front of my mouth and ask me to sing. But if at 6 in the morning you hear me singing the songs that we're singing today, <laughs> is your response like, oh, thank you, Lord? For his, right? No, it is not. 
I believe that the author of Proverbs was telling the early riser that context was important. Your blessing must be received as such in order to actually be a blessing. Now, how do I know that? Am I just making that up? Am I just saying that because I'm an early riser and I'm hoping other people will do that? No. Um, let, let's go to um, our next scripture. This is going to be Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 through 34. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And while you're getting there, I'll give you a little bit of background. At this time in Jesus's ministry, he's in Jerusalem. And he's preaching, he's healing, he's doing all these miracles. And what's happening is that he's becoming popular, right? Um, anytime somebody has something, think about back when you were a kid. If you wanted to be popular, if even for a brief moment, all you had to do was pull out a pack of gum, right? You get gum, and all of a sudden you got a crowd. Oh, like, hey, let me have some of that gum. Come on, what flavor is that? Ooh, can I have some? Right? And so imagine somebody having something way more powerful than gum, healing and deliverance and, and preaching. Jesus is getting, becoming popular. And for the religious rulers and leaders of the time, this is a problem because he might take away their popularity. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, religious leaders, are challenging Jesus while he's in Jerusalem. They're trying to trick him up. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to find something that they can bring an accusation against him to really get the law involved, right? And so this is where we are when we pick up in Mark chapter 12, verses 20 through 34. He's been challenged again. Um, One of the teachers, this is verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Right. So there was somebody he's already in the middle of defending himself. Somebody said, wait a minute, let me get in on this argument. So one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So what's interesting, and this is probably not an unfamiliar scripture to you if you have been a Christian any time, right? You know, what are the two greatest commandments? Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus is referencing Old Testament scriptures when he's saying, when he's talking about, when he's giving these two answers. And the one that talks about loving your neighbor as yourself comes from Leviticus chapter 19. So we're going to be going there next. But, um, in, in, but what we're saying here is that um, I think it's important why we, we need to go back and look at Leviticus, because for so many Christians, we have determined that we understand what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. right? We've, we basically uh, distilled this down to what we learned in kindergarten, like the golden rule, you know, treat everybody like you want to be treated. Well, that's part of it. But really, I would say, and we're going to see what Jesus is talking about here in Leviticus, but I would say it's really more about um, loving people in a way that you're, they can receive your blessings, right? Loving people in a way where they can receive your blessings. Because you remember, and I'm talking to a bunch of people who are not early risers, 
You don't want somebody waking up at 6.30 in the morning blessing you first thing, right? Because even though the words are supposed to be good, <laughs> if they wake you up out of your sleep, that's not exactly the way you take it, right? Okay, so Leviticus chapter 19. I'm not going to read all of this, but I, this is your homework. Whether you're here or at home, go back and read all of it, right? Um, but Leviticus as a book is really about holiness, Holiness is mentioned more times in Leviticus than any other book in the Bible, right? And this holiness means to be separate, uh, to be separated for God, to be devoted to God. And in uh, Leviticus 19, the beginning of the chapter, God says, be holy because I'm holy, right? He says, look, <laughs> be like me. Um, and for us, that's where the Christian, the Christ-like comes from, this idea that we're going to be like God. Um, and what's interesting about Leviticus 19 is that this is about a year or so after they've been given the Ten Commandments, right? Now, it makes me curious. The reason why that's, that's interesting is because I had to assume that maybe they didn't master the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> they're out there a year. They're camping out by Mount Sinai. And God's like, you know what? We might need some more clarification. You know, <laughs> maybe 10 wasn't enough. I need to give you some more because you don't quite get it. And I can only imagine that he could see that they didn't quite get it, not only because he could see their hearts, but he could also see how they were treating other people. Um, so I'm going to read Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18. So I'm just going to pick two out of there, right? Because this is where Jesus, and the reason why I'm doing this, this is what Jesus was referencing in Mark, right? These two verses. Um, Do not hate a fellow, is this uh, 19, verse, verse 17? Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, what's interesting is in context, just in chapter 19, the way I divided these commandments up, I came with a total of 33. Now, there are a couple of different ways you could divide this up. So if somebody goes through and says, no, there's a different number, that's okay. But for our purposes today, we'll just say I came with 33 commands that I listed, I, I saw in Leviticus 19. Of those 33, 16 were about how to treat other people. That's 48%. Almost half of the commands God gave the Israelites in chapter 19 was about how to treat other people. And this is the text that Jesus is using to reference his answer when he was challenged by the religious leaders. How do you, how do you, how do you uh, find out what's most important to God? Jesus gave like the cliff notes or for the younger people, the spark notes, right? Uh, you know, version of the Bible. 66 books, too much to read? That's okay. Here you go, right? <laughs> Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you understand how to do that, Jesus is telling you right here that one of the things you have to do is rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you don't share in their guilt. So if you're that early morning riser and you're loudly blessing people first thing in the morning, you're like, no, he didn't. I know the devil is not in this place this morning. You better go back to sleep, <laughs> right? The, God is saying part of loving people is rebuking them so they know they were wrong. That is countercultural for our world today. Can I get personal? For Madison, wherever you are on Facebook, is probably true there too. 
Think about all this going on in the world right now. If somebody says, hey, you did something wrong, like, no, I did not. I'm a good person. <laughs> right? We pull out the intent card. Ha! Look at my intentions. They're good. I got up early to come to church. I'm not even an early riser. How dare you say I'm not a good person? I got up, I got here on time. Look, I woke up and I, I'm looking at it on Facebook when I could still be asleep. Obviously, my goodness is not in question. How dare you say my blessing was a curse? But as you read through Leviticus 19, you will see that God is very concerned with how we treat each other. God is very concerned with how we interact with each other. One thing that I was impressed with as I was sitting here waiting for church to get started, and I, I appreciate your hospitality and allowing my wife and I to just kind of be in the, in the space and, and be present with you all as you prepared. Um, I saw the mission of Madison Church, connecting people with God and each other. I love that mission, right? Because it's beautiful. It's simple to say. <laughs> hard to do. The reason why it's so hard is because we aren't perfect. So even at your best, even when you are doing all that you can to do, you get up at first thing in the morning and maybe you are just so overwhelmed with God's gratefulness for another day, right? Let me explain, because maybe if you're not early riser, maybe you don't know how good God's grace is first thing in the morning, right? <laughs> you get up in the morning, the sun is peeking over the trees. Some people are like, I'm already out. Like, it's too early. Right. You know, the sun hasn't quite come up yet. You open up the blinds, you let the light come in and, and you can breathe and you can move and you can walk and you have you have food to eat and clothes to wear. And and, and whatever it is you have that God is giving you. You're like, man, thank you for this. And you might you might get a little song in your spirit and you might decide to listen to a little worship music and you might start to sing with it. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I don't woke somebody up. Right. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, this person is not sharing in your blessing. They're not sharing in, in the awe of God in this moment, because guess what? You didn't think about them in context of your actions. You only concerned about your inner intentions. You're only concerned about how you and God were relating and you gave no thought to how that was interacting with other people. But God is very concerned, has always been concerned with how we treat other people. Otherwise, why would you spend half of your time talking about how to treat others? And that's just in this chapter. Don't go look at verse 18. It was scandalous. I mean, chapter 18, there was some scandal that was going on at the mountain, apparently, because there was some, mm -mm. we'll keep this uh, kid friendly today. But if you go back and look at <laughs> chapter 18, bless him, it was a mess. But here's what Jesus was saying when he was in Mark and he was being challenged. He was putting the, he was connecting loving your neighbor with action. He was connecting something that was so important that he would mention it right after loving God. Love God with everything you got and also love your neighbor as yourself. And here's what that means. that There's some action that has to go behind that. And Proverbs shows us that that love, that action must be taken in context with others. So how do you put that into action today? 
right? Because if you read through Leviticus, you read through the Old Testament, some of those commands, there's some things that maybe don't apply to our cultural context, like wearing uh, mixed fabrics. Don't worry, don't worry, your polyester wool blend suits or shirts or, you know, pants, they're not going to send you to hell. It's okay. It's fine, right? You can wear your blended fabrics. Jesus is not going to get you, right? So how do you take some of the, these themes and these lessons that we see from the Old Testament and apply them to our context today? Well, there's three things I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to start, really, it's going to center on one issue, and it's going to be receiving and accepting open rebuke. Let's just breathe on that for a moment. Let's say that again. Receiving and accepting open rebuke. Here's what I love about Leviticus. Verse 17, you know, says, rebuke your neighbor frankly, right? And this rebuke is this, and and frankly, is this idea is going to be open judgment. Ah, the J word, right? Like in Christian circles, like, well, what about grace? What about the commands? right? Here's what happens. When somebody, imagine if you were on vacation with me, my wife and our early risers, we love the Lord. We get up, open up the blinds so we can see the sun sunrise, and we're down there making breakfast and talking and maybe praising God and singing. Do you enjoy those vacation mornings, right? Probably not as much as I did. Now, thankfully, we didn't do that. Well, until my niece got up. She's five. And so she's not really working in context of others at the moment, right? Which is okay. That's her developmental stage is all right. But I'm not five, right? <laughs> right? I'm not going to loudly bless people in the morning. But what I love is, but it's this open, this re- rebuke your neighbor, frankly. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be for somebody to tell you you're wrong. What you did, despite your good intentions, was painful. It was hurtful. It was harmful. We don't want to be people who hurt, harm, or do wrong. We want to be good people, and we want others to know we're good people. And so often what happens when somebody brings that accusation, that judgment, that correction to us and say, hey, guess what you did wrong? You go, oh, no, here's a long list of defensive reasons why I did not. You just don't understand my intent. You don't understand my heart. You don't understand what I was trying to do. If you saw that sunrise, you'd be praising God too, right? (laughs) We want people to feel like they're wrong because they didn't receive my blessing. How dare you not receive my blessing and all that blessing I tried to throw at you. You got the nerve to come tell me I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. And we might even throw in a couple of scriptures to prove it. But here's the reason why I say receiving and accepting open rebuke is probably one of the best places for you to start thinking about loving your neighbor as an action is because of your mission as a church. How in the world do you can connect people with God and with each other if you aren't willing to deal with the fact that you are imperfect? Now, I'm assuming all of you are good people, but none of y'all are perfect. That's my assumption. Now, if, if that's not, please correct me, but um, maybe not on camera, because we don't want you to be embarrassed for years when that memory pops back up on the church. 
Um, <laughs> do it quietly so we can just pretend like it never happened, okay? But look, you all were singing this song. It says, I'm not, a, not, I'm not enough unless you come. Right? This meeting me in the middle. Between accepting Christ and getting to heaven, there's a lot of living. There's a lot of interacting with people. And Jesus is concerned not only with you and your heart and where you're going for eternity, but he's also very concerned about how you interact with others while you're here. While you wait, Jesus wants to make sure you know how to interact with people because he wants you to connect with them and connect them to him. And you can't do that if you're not willing to admit that you're imperfect. Now, you already know you're imperfect, right? Except for those who will see me later. But you already know you're imperfect. So the reality is, God gave us a way to deal with that imperfection in community. And that's a beautiful thing. Because we need to make meaningful correction changes after we've been corrected. We need to make meaningful changes after we've been corrected. And we need to act with concern for a context when we're thinking about others, with, with others, how that impacts them. Let me tell you a story, fresh. Um, yesterday, uh, we're flying back in the afternoon from Orlando. And typically, I'm the, I'm the kind of the timekeeper in my family, right? Immediate family, extended family. I'm the one who, for better or worse, is keeping track of the time, right? And so my job is to make sure that we're on schedule. And so we got to the airport maybe 20 minutes later than I really wanted to. My fault, because I didn't, I didn't tell us what time to leave early, so that wasn't anybody else's fault. It was mine. Then I also led the family on a, a goose chase where we ended up wasting about 10 minutes on the tram. Again, my fault. And then we get to security, and my daughter has a large candle that gets flagged by security. Now, here's the thing. I'm no chemist. So I don't know what foolishness somebody's doing that might require them to have a candle or what they might have thought that candle was made of. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. But what I did know was that we were running out of time to be playing around with this candle. And I'm sitting here and I, you know, I'm asking the security you know, agent very nicely because I don't want to make them mad, right? <laughs> Because <laughs> they can decide to hold my, my daughter and I. I sent my wife and sons to go to the plane. I'm thinking, worst case scenario, maybe I'm going to have to buy two tickets to get here later. And I'd also talk with Pastor Steve. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I'll make it back on time. <laughs> right? And here I am standing at the gate going, oh, my Lord, if I miss this flight, when is the next one? How am I going to get back? And so it wasn't a big deal. They, they uh, took the candle. We were able to get to our plane, and thankfully, boarding was a little delayed, praise the Lord. It gave me a chance to catch my breath. Like, I felt like I was in one of those 80s movies, right? Back in the day before security, where you had to run through the airport. Yeah, that was me. Um, and so, but what happened was we get on the plane, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to calm down. We're, we're, we boarded, it. We're good. And my wife and I are talking about it, and she says, well, you know, things always work out. Now, I'm a planner, right? So, in, as a planner, a lot of work goes into getting stuff to happen. So I'm like, what do you mean things don't always? I know sometimes people miss planes, like I've done it myself. And she said, yeah, well, regardless, if we get home, then I feel like things have worked out. And I was like, oh. I'm like, okay. Right? And so I'm thinking about this. Because obviously she and I are looking at these things very differently. Because I was going to be mad if I missed that plane. 
I did not want to have to spend any more money to get another flight when there were perfectly good seats waiting for me that I'd already paid for on this one over a candle. Look, keep the candle. I'll buy y'all some candles unless, <laughs> right? Like, I'll buy you a whatever, whatever, what, what flavor, what smell do you want? Just let me get on that plane. Um, and so anyhow, as I began to think about this, I re- reflected on it this morning. And God was basically telling me that, hey, guess what? This is one of those things that I've been trying to teach you. You need to let me have it. He's like, oh, what? Oh, so this is an old lesson, new moment. <laughs> Got it. So one of my struggles. But here, the, here's, the, here's the, 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 the point, is that I was willing to be corrected by my wife because I wasn't quite looking at it the way she was in the way that God was looking at it. I was willing to receive that correction however it came. It was sweet and polite. She wasn't mean about it, right? But if you're not willing to receive that correction, what happens is you oftentimes miss God's blessing because he's trying to teach you something, and oftentimes he uses other people. So not only did I get corrected, but it also helps build my relationship with my wife because she knows I will listen to her voice. She doesn't have to get upset and angry and, and throw things or threaten me to get me to listen. She can just say it. And I go, huh. Right now, I'm a bit of a blockhead when it comes to some stuff, so it might take me a while, praise the Lord, right? And, this, and for the husbands out there, this is free. Write this down, okay? This, the first one is free. <laughs> Listen to your wives. She probably has some good things to say, all right? Keep you alive longer, save you some money. Anyhow, um, no charge for that one. But, but what happened was this morning, we had a leak. We had a, this is the second time we had a leak in our basement. And I'm freaking out about it. I'm like, oh, my Lord, what is, is it the roof? Is it the wall? Am I going to bring the basement guy back in here? And they have to rip stuff up to see what's going on. I'm like, is this, is this a $500 problem or a $20,000 problem? Because I don't have $20,000 just sitting in the bank. And I'm praying to God about it. He's like, this is another example where things are going to work out. I need you to give it to me. I'm like, <laughs> but what? But I need to know where the water's coming from, Jesus. Give it to me. Okay. So I give it to him, right? I'm struggling. I'm like, I'm going to just leave this. I'm just going to leave this here. And you can, you can have it, okay, Jesus? You can, you can have it, right? <laughs> I'm struggling with it. But I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna, let me go on with my business. And I begin to, to make my breakfast and begin to look over my sermon. Because there's a couple of things I just want to make sure that I, I had right before I came here. And as I was opening the blinds to get some of that natural light that I wanted, I saw the problem. It was a gutter issue. It's like a waterfall cascading from this gutter right above the window that we had a problem with. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there it is. Now, imagine if I wasn't willing to be corrected and rebuked and told I was wrong about how I was looking at life and things yesterday. And I wasn't processing and wrestling with God about how do I apply this to my life? How do I do this better? How do I take this correction and make it useful? Would I have paid? Hundreds of thousands of dollars, somebody tear up my basement wall when that wasn't the issue. Woo, that just saved me some money. Thank you, Lord, for correction, right? There is freedom in frailty. Not having to be a know-it-all. Not having to be perfect. Not having to say, I got this all figured out allows me to be corrected. Because even in my wanting to do good, I still miss sometimes. I still don't understand everything and I need to be corrected. And I'm grateful when somebody will give me that correction. There's freedom in frailty. 
If you want to connect people with God, if you want to connect with other people, you will make mistakes. You will cause harm. You will hurt some feelings. And sometimes it's not because you're a sinner, because what you did was wrong. Sometimes it's just your context is off. Sometimes when you applied or how you applied that blessing, when we go back to me thinking about that dresser and being clean with comet cleanser, good intentions, but boy, some negative impact, right? That's not an easy fix. But really what I could have done was gone and asked my mother, hey, I want to help. Now, if we want to get real spiritual, the problem is I really didn't want to help in any kind of way. Hello? Okay, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. I just stepped on somebody's toes. The good thing is I don't know y'all. So if I just stepped on your toe, that's the Holy Spirit getting on you because Pastor, Pastor Stephen did not tell your business. So I can say stuff and now you have to worry about it because I don't even know who I'm talking to. So that's between you and Jesus. So anyway, but here's the thing. If your theology is focused only on heaven, I got good news for you, right? There's a new installment in the series. The next episode just released. Is how do you deal with other people, right? Chapter one is great. Love God with everything you got. No, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I love that chapter. But the next one is out. How do you love people as yourself? And it cannot be just thoughts and prayers. It cannot be those people just need to do better. It can't be we need to pass laws to make people act Christian. Uh-oh. Don't worry, that's not about any political party. I heard somebody, I'm not going to get to the top, but I heard someone say one time that both parties weren't really concerned about how people were living. They just wanted their ideas to be represented in the law. Mm, 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 mm. If you're loving people is about your internal posture, how good you are, how good your intentions are, if that's the total sum of what you got, you might need to be openly rebuked, frankly. So I want you to remember this. If you want to be Christ-like, if you want to hit that mission of connecting people with God, then you need to show them who God is. And there's no better way to do that than by loving people. And to love people, you can't just have good thoughts and intentions. You need to have good impact. And to do that, the only way to do that is to wrestle with your imperfections, to to learn how to be comfortable in your frailty, in your failures. It's not easy. It takes some work, and you will fail at doing it. But God has already given us a pathway right here in the Bible to tell us this is what it means to be in relation with other people. It means being willing to be rebuked, and it means be willing to rebuke others so that they know how to receive that love. And so, <laughs> we'll end it with this, those words from that song, I'm not, I'm not enough unless you come. And so in those moments where you're struggling with people, you can just ask God, will you meet me here again? Because if you're dealing with people, you're dealing with yourself, you will need them. You will need him.